Hi, everybody. This is Mikey D. Welcome to my stoop. There once was a small American town, and although it sat in the forgotten corner of a giant city, it was much like any other small community around America. Everyone knew everyone else's name and everyone's business. Instead of a stream or a brook, we had the fire hydrant. We didn't have farmer's markets, but we did have a well-stocked bodega. And rather than sitting on the front porch to watch the little world fall by, we sat on our stoops. You know, it seems like an ancient time, like it was some lost city. It was like I had watched it all from the stoops of Atlantis. I talk about East Harlem in the 70s and 80s as a little American town hidden in a far-off corner of a giant city. Well, it was. It was quiet. Sometimes it felt desolate. You know, walking around the block as we would do and bored, we, we passed a variety of familiar faces, and they came in a variety of colors. Hispanic, black, and Italians. The stores were owned by all kinds of folks. Buildings owned by people of all races. And it was a common denominator that linked us. We were all working class folk. There were some poorer than others, but none of us were rich. None of us were even upper middle class. Green, or the lack of that green, was the color that linked us. It made us simpatico to the problems of trying to get by. All my years of living in East Harlem, I cannot recall a single incident triggered by racial differences. And if you listen to this podcast, you know how good my memory is. My parents do recall such incidents in the 1950s, in one case when black and white students were battling at Benjamin Franklin High School. In fact, it took a visit and a talk by Frank Sinatra to calm it. My father tells me a great story that happened to him when he was in the Air Force. This was in Biloxi, Mississippi in 1955. He was working in an ice cream shop at the time as a little side job. And one day a black woman came in, an older woman, and he looked at this lady and he said, Ma'am, may I tell you, you remind me so much of my mother. She looked at him, almost shocked, and said, I know you're not from the South. My father's friend, who was a major league bigot, wanted to kill my father for saying something so kind to this woman. But my parents were both from East Harlem, and they grew up in a racially mixed neighborhood. So there wasn't that fear, that ignorance. There was a huge white exodus in my neighborhood in the 60s. Was it fear, racism? Did people want alternative to an inner city life? I would guess some of all those possibilities is where the truth lies. Were there racists on my block when I was growing up in the later 70s and 80s? Yeah, I'm sure there must have been a few. But what we had in my hood was tolerance. The folks that loved East Harlem and the ones that stayed were tolerant people. We talked to each other, even if it was just a wave hello or a friendly little chat about some local gossip. You know, the simple matter is racism is fueled by fear and ignorance. I know that sounds cliche, but ask anyone who's a racist or a homophobe, how many friends of different colors or sexual preferences than themselves do they have? My guess is zero. It is largely due to the attitudes of a child's parents as well. Kids are not bigots, ever. Even if you see the evidence, watch kids play in playgrounds. There's wonderful colorblindness that bless the eyes of children. And parents can keep those eyes colorblind if they themselves see the world justly and pass these lessons on. 
I remember getting a lesson from my mom that I'll never forget. I was young, maybe eight, and I was going through one of my mom's magazines with a marker, and I was scribbling cartoon bubbles from people's heads, writing dumb jokes and comments. On one photo of a black man, I wrote a comment that included the N-word. I thought I was being funny, a wise-ass. Well, my mother discovered it and reamed me a good one. She made it very clear that I was to never, ever, ever use that word again. I was embarrassed, and I never did. I went to a Catholic grade school. We were a perfect representation of the racial mix of the neighborhood. My best buddy was Howard, a black kid who grew up a few blocks west. He was a lot like me, creative, mischievous, and a good red-blooded American geek. His parents, like my own, were working class, tough but very loving and supportive of him. One day we were walking on the street on a class field trip. It was me, Howard, Gary, and John. Two black kids, two white kids who loved talking about comic books and movies and lame TV shows. One of our other classmates, not the brightest crayon in our box, looked at us and said, Yeah, it doesn't seem right, two black dudes and two white dudes hanging out. Well, you know, we thought it was right, and we never really gave it much thought. I mean, me and Howard gave it zero thought. We were buddies. We would spend hours on the phone at night trading comic books, laughing hysterically, and even plotting the great Hardy Boys heist of 78. See episode 12 for that one. But the fact that I was Italian and he was African-American never came up. Gary, however, did have some deep-seated anger issues, and on occasion, he became bullish and would instigate racial arguments. I remember one day in class, the teacher was talking about genetics and evolution and how traits are passed on. She mentioned that darker traits will beat out lighter traits and offspring. Gary mumbled something about the superiority of black people, and, and then a white classmate got all huffed, and, and, and an argument ensued. And they were yelling and back and forth, and I looked over to Howard, and we both rolled our eyes. Why were these idiots arguing over this silliness? In 8th grade, me and Gary became much closer as friends. He seemed to have outgrown the bully in him. And then I learned in recent years that Gary killed himself. He was gay, I found out. And he had a hard time coming out and a hard time with some ignorant neighbors of his. And he ended his own pain. Looking back now, I think I better understand his sometimes bullish tendencies. And yesterday I saw you standing by the river And weren't those tears that filled your eyes And all the fish that lay in dirty water dying Had they got you hypnotized a real nice sunny Sunday afternoon. We had planned a small softball game with just a handful of friends. My dad and Howard's dad were joining us. It was the first time they were going to meet, and we all headed over to Jefferson Park. It was me and Howard and Gary and Scott, Chris and Joe, and my dad and Howard's dad. When we made up the teams, it seemed natural for our dads to be on the same teams as their sons. But the dads wisely noticed something. They took a stroll together and chatted privately. When they came back, my dad announced that he would be pitching for the team Howard and Gary were on, and Howard's dad would pitch for the team Scott and Chris were on. You see, they didn't want to make the game about one race playing another. Fatherly wisdom, and we had a great afternoon. Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these broken wings and learn to fly 
On our street, kids of various colors and flavors played stickball together, Scully, Stoopball, and even lit off fireworks. We watched in awe together as movies were filmed around us. Was it love? Who knows? Maybe it was simply mutual toleration. Live and let live. Maybe that's all we need, hell, would be a hell of a start. And yet we lived together on that same quiet and often ignored streets. And on many nights, we would sit and shoot the breeze together as neighbors on the stoops of Atlantis. This has been the Stoops of Atlantis with Mikey D. Stay tuned for future tales and bizarreness from that ancient land called East Harlem. Check me out on Facebook. <laughs>